So Romans chapter 6, let me back up a few verses that we ended on last week. I'll go back to verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? Nope, that ain't right. Back to verse 12. I'm jumping ahead. Verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lust. And do not present yourself members and instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under, the gra- under grace. Um, this issue of being under grace rather than under the law is no small issue. To the degree that Paul is discussing it, he's building up for this moment all the way from chapter one to this chapter. And then you get into chapter seven, which we'll get in a couple weeks because I won't be preaching next Sunday. And you get into that not, not only are we not under the law, And those who are under the law are imprisoned by the law because they simply cannot fulfill it apart from Christ. And when we say stuff like that, when we say apart from Christ, understand it's not just apart from, okay, you got born again and now you're going to continue after the blood has atoned for your sins, you're saved, you've been reconciled to God, now you make it your life's goal to obey the law. Um, I've had issues with one particular gentleman who's, uh, he, he's, he's not doing right in his mind, and, but he's very confused by this, who, um, me and him have had long discussions. He's been very confused. He thinks that after you get saved, that the law is to be obeyed to the degree that that is an extreme focus. Now, guys, the law is to be obeyed. There's no doubt that we should not lie, that we we should not steal, we should not murder, these sorts of things. But understand, when we say apart from Christ, it's much more than just being saved by grace, it is being sustained by grace, it is being sanctified by grace. And what that means is when we are in proximity to Jesus Christ, then we find ourselves obeying Christ because of a loving relationship. And to say that in summary is this, I mean, that, that's the summary. To say that sentence is to say, okay, that is the key to unlocking this thing. And, 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 And I can say that to try to help us understand that is massively profound that we understand that truth. But Paul is going chapters into this. He'll go on in chapter seven say that understanding we must die to the law using the example of a husband or wife who dies and then you're no longer bound by the law to to not be remarried. You can go be remarried if your husband or wife dies 
and it's not adultery. And Paul is saying we must die to the law in order to live in Christ. And we're going to get into this for several weeks because it is massively important. But in summary, we simply cannot obey the law apart not only from Christ, this is my emphasis, but apart from close proximity to him each and every day. The point is we can slip into the rules and regulation, which is legalism, in, in any given moment, the moment we stop abiding in the presence of Jesus Christ. This is a big deal. It's, it's such a big deal that, that Paul, understand when he is basically giving us this doctrine, which is the truth for humanity, that we're not under the law, He's doing it that we might walk in holiness, that we might walk in righteousness. He's just giving us the answer on the, the means by which we can do that, as, and that is being in close proximity to Christ. We are abiding in his presence. And, and that's going to be a, a theme for weeks as we talked about that last week. Very important. If you're focused on not drinking and the way that you do that is to buy a Johnny Walker bottle, bring it home and set it on your desk and say, I'm not going to drink you. You have no power over me. I won't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. That is not the way not to drink Johnny Walker. The way to do that is you're not even thinking about that because of love. Love is superior to the law because when you're in a loving relationship with God, he'll never lead you into unrighteousness. It, th this is, because this is it. And, and, and you got people just including the Jews and people that even today, they're like, no, we must obey God's commands. Well, yes, yes, we must, we should. It's good, it's wonderful. But if you're trying to use your own strength to do so, without the presence of Jesus Christ in your life, you will fail. You will fail. Without prayer, you will fail. Without reading and, uh, and, 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 and having a devotion to the reading of God's word in your life, you will fail. And that is really what law is. It's, 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 it's trying to obey morality, obey righteousness apart from God. Being under the law, that's what it is. So we are to reckon ourselves to be dead to sin. And then he'll go on chapter 7, reckon yourself to be dead to sin in the sense that you can fulfill a loving relationship with God by his sacrifice in righteousness, not in the letter of the law, not in the keeping of the law. You, 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 we read this and it for sin shall not have dominion over us. We've been set free from sin. We've been set free, so to speak, from the law in the sense that we don't have to try to fulfill it without God. And I read this, uh, this story, it's a true story, about two brothers hundreds of years ago, what is in modern day Belgium, and they were fighting for being the duke of this particular province. Two brothers, they even had armies. And one of the brothers was kind of a skinny guy. The other brother was a very obese man, morbidly, morbidly obese. And the one who was 
uh, uh, morbidly obese, he lost the battle. So his brother was going to put him into prison. And he actually put him into the castle in a, in a room, but he didn't put any lock or any door in the room. The door was open at all times. True story. It was just wide enough that he, if he lost a certain amount of weight, he could walk right through and be set free. He sat there for 10 years and died in that room. Never, guys, you know how many push-ups I'd be doing? Jumping jacks? I'd be getting through that door. Here's the, here's the drill. When, when we're practicing the presence of Christ, we're exercising our faith. We are spiritually fit. This guy gave in to his worldly appetites and could never be set free. God wants to set people free. And the doorway is open, but the way that you walk through is grace. It is grace. The, the doorway been provided to us is grace. Not, I will keep the law. It's dangerous. Well, because this is such an issue, and Paul is once again, as he anticipated in verse 1, is anticipating uh, in verse 15 that he's going to have these accusations that I've even received this last couple weeks, that we're promoting some sort of uh, sin, promoting some sort of not obeying God's commandments, Paul once again is going to clarify what he's saying. And he says in verse 15, what then shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this, uh, this doctrinal thing going on, and then he ends with that famous scripture, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. One of those scriptures that is used in the Romans road, uh, one of the scriptures that is used in, or in uh, sharing the gospel with unbelievers. Understand what sin does and understand what righteousness does. And as we look at this portion of scripture, uh, prior to what we read in verse 15, just what we read as presenting ourselves uh, members or instruments of righteousness rather than instruments of sin. And um, we, 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 a mosquito. 
In, in this, Paul is teaching us that when we open up the opportunity to violate God's righteousness, then we are presenting ourselves, which is to say we are making ourselves available to sin. Rather than presenting ourselves as instruments, our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our souls, as instruments of righteousness. It tells us a lot in the portion of scripture. It tells us that God is trying to tune us in a way that we become instruments of beauty in this world. The Bible uses the language, be a light, be salt, all these different things. Here it's talking about instruments. Something that God can tune for his purposes and for his pleasure. So important. And and listen, this goes back to this fundamental theme that that, that this portion of scripture, chapter 7, chapter 6, is getting into. And that is abiding in the presence of Christ through the doorway of grace that we have walked through into his presence in order to walk in righteousness. And and when you present yourself as instruments, you are close proximity so that you can, he can play you to the tune that he has designed you to be played in. Very important. In the same way that when you present yourself as members of unrighteousness, it is a proximity thing. It's a place where you are. It's a place where you stand. The Bible gives us practical application in understanding what this means, such as, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good intentions or good morals. The ways that we present ourselves as members of unrighteousness, as instruments of of unrighteousness, it, it, it can be as practical as the people that we hang out with, the music that we listen to, the television that we watch. It's very important that when you understand that this marvelous truth, being in the presence of God, is what Paul is talking about. It's not an intellectual assent to keeping God's law or morality. It's not, okay, today, today I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to lust, I'm not going to cheat, I'm not going to hate, I'm not going to be bitter. When you wake up with that mentality, you will fail if it is done without being in the proximity of the Holy Spirit and and, and Jesus Christ. See, that's the whole point. You wake up and you're like, no, no. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon me today. Lord, I need you. Every moment, every hour. Uh, Lord, I need you. Teach me, that person at work is really bothering me. Teach me how to see them as you see them. I learned a quote, this Fedora Dostoevsky said, to love somebody is to see them as God intended them to be. Lord, I know that you love this person. Help me to love this person. See, you're in his presence. It's massively different than having a checklist. I got a 
There's nothing wrong with being like, going around and be like, don't lie. That's fine. But if you're trying to accomplish all this without a relationship rather than a religion, you're going to be in big trouble. And that's what most Christians find themselves in, including our church. I got to tell you, if, if each person here who is not biting in the presence of God is living under the law rather than walking through the doorway of grace and being fat, giving in to the appetites of the world rather than walking through the freedom in this narrow doorway that the Lord has given us. It's, it's true. It's like this religion. Don't do this. Don't do that. Go to church. How much are you praying? How often do you get home and you just find some alone place and say, oh Lord, please, I need you. I need you to be with me now. I want to follow you. I don't want you to follow me. And he won't, by the way. I want to follow you today, Lord. Guys, do you understand that the difference between these things is the difference of what Paul's explaining here between life and death? It's the difference between life and death. And the way that we present our members as instruments of righteousness is being in the presence of Christ. This is it. This is what Paul's trying to get us to understand. That the answer is Christ and the answer has always been Christ. Even before he came, he was the answer in the Old Testament when the lamb during Passover was slain and the blood was wiped on the doorpost. He's always been the answer. So what shall we say then, Paul says? Shall we sin because we're not under the law? No. But under grace, the whole point is, do you not know that to whom you present your slaves to obey, you're the one slaves whom you obey? That is to, I can't overemphasize this. We are slaves when we present our members as instruments of unrighteousness, of sin, and we do that when we're not in the presence of Christ. We do that when we're in bad company. We do that when we're in slanderous gossip relationships. We do that when we're watching the wrong things. Guys, I, you know how many people I've counseled be like, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not winning the battle against lust. I'm like, okay. Do you know some of the first things I ask? What kind of music are you listening to? This happened to me a few weeks ago. Losing the battle with lust. What kind of music you listen to? Yeah, I, I still listen to Eminem. In one of Eminem's songs, there is an audio recording of a homosexual act. One of the most disgusting displays of audio the world has heard in the last 25 years. I remember listening to it when I was a kid and being disgusted with that stuff. But guys... You open yourself as members of unrighteousness when you do that. You completely opened your heart and your mind to, to terrible stuff. It's like, well, I think I figured out your problem. Like, any more brain busters you got for me this morning? It's like, yeah, I don't know what the issue with lust is. Yeah, it, I do. Stop listening to him and him. Yeah, next, any more brain busters? Figured this one out real quick. Am I being sarcastic? Yes. 
You think you're going to really present yourself as a member of unrighteousness when you're abiding in the presence of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit every day? No. And, and, and we live in this world right now where we have access to present ourselves to members. Guys, I can't tell you how fast I can be led away in my mind. It can be one picture on the internet. And I'm not talking about a nude picture. Just one picture. And I know this is probably way overly transparent, but I'm going to do it anyway at the risk of being judged by all of you judgmental Christians. But yes, a picture of a beautiful woman on the internet. Not nude, just like, huh. You know, Wikipedia. Her, Wikipedia, Wikipedia. And then all the images can come up. Boop. No, I, well, they don't show nude pictures. Are you kidding me? It's, you don't got to have nude pictures. Don't be looking at beautiful women on the internet. I'm doing this as an illustration. I've never done that. Never done it. Don't judge me, women. Every guy right here is, is with me. It's with me. Don't do that. Do you know how fast you think I'm strong? You think I can be like... Pretty women don't affect me at all. <laughs> I, I, I told you years ago, a pastor friend of mine, he, he gave me a, a, a move. We were just hanging out, having dinner at his house. And uh, he's like, hey, uh, it's a good movie. We just watched it. If you want to watch a movie, I was like, yeah, we'll watch a movie. Go home, put it in. You trust the pastor, right? pornographic scene within the first 10 minutes my wife I, I had to jump up and turn it off called him up on the phone and said hey you gave me a bad movie he said what do you mean the, the first eight minutes and 37 seconds in you there's a pornographic scene he goes oh no we just you know we Africans aren't affected by breast that's what he said to me Is that true, guys? Don't say nothing. Your girl's sitting next to you. Don't say nothing. And you're sitting there and you're like, this guy fell into sin a few months later. What are we presenting ourselves to? Because when you are in the presence of Christ, you're just not watching bad things. You're not. You, 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 when you're praying each and every day and, you, and you're becoming a slave of righteousness because of the presence of Christ, you're not sitting there. You just find yourself obeying the commandments of God because you love him and because he loves you. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin... see. Do you notice, and I pointed this out last week, how many times it's mentioning God, how many times it's mentioning Christ over and over and over. Well, why is this, uh, why is grace available to us? Why, the, can, how can we have victory in righteousness and obeying God's command? But God made this available. So the Bible says, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. 
You got to be slave of something. Slaves of righteousness God has made available to us. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. The Apostle Paul is making a reference here when he says that speaking to how the Jews view the law. When he says, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of their flesh, he's not just saying because of the weakness of your flesh in the sense that you have the ability to go sin, to do terrible things, which that's a part of what he's saying, the weakness of your flesh in understanding our relationship to the law. Because this is such a big deal to the Jews and it is such a big deal to humanity. Guys, do you understand entire religions are created in obeying God's moral law? Entire religions. Islam and and, and then the 300 million gods of Hinduism, obey and you'll be blessed. Obey, obey, obey and you'll go to heaven. And then Christ comes along after already explaining this perfectly in the Old Testament and says, you got it all wrong, not just the Jews, but humanity. And, and Paul's saying, I speak because of the weakness of your flesh. Guys, I'm speaking in human terms. I'm using human illustrations because you have built an entire religion with the focus being on the law rather than the law giver. So that's why he's saying that. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present yourself members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Now you have to understand that Paul is also not saying you've presented yourself as members of lawlessness which leads to more lawlessness. He's not saying that you as a people are like the Gentiles in that you don't care at all about obeying God's law. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, this is really important. In your attempt to obey God's law, you have created means by which you are becoming more lawless. So let me give you some examples of what, how this has happened and what Paul's talking about. Paul's not just saying, oh, you went from um, uh, monogamy to fornication to, to, to orgy. He's not, he's not saying sexual. You went from telling little white lies to making an entire practice of lying all the time. That's not what he's saying. He said you went from the command of have no other gods before you. So you went in destroying idols. You knock down the golden calf. You destroy all the idols in the temple. And in doing that, you have a self-righteousness where you have become above God in your own mind and heart. That is lawlessness producing more lawlessness. Do you get the difference? He's saying, essentially, in your attempt to obey the law, you have even disobeyed the law more. It's the, it's the difference between that public and Gentile saying, I have sinned, oh God, save me, and that law keeper 
who is doing everything he can. Obey this, obey that, obey that. Here, I want to tithe this mint. I want, I want to pray this prayer. I want to say this thing. I, I, want to, I want to do this. And now he is puffed up in a pride that has violated the very heart of God, which is more lawlessness. That's what he's talking about. That's massively different. Why? Because this is very dangerous where we as a church in attempting to be righteous, which we should, and attempting to obey God's commands, which we should, when it is done with the focus of law-keeping over a relationship which produces ultimate strength and righteousness, then we will produce more lawlessness in our lives. Very important to, to think about it. So, okay. I told you um, this story before. I'll tell it again. We used to do this prison ministry for years. We were eight years in the Eldoret prison. And we, you know, I was there for four years. Pastor Joseph was there for four years, teaching every Thursday. And I met a lot of people. So this guy gets out of prison. He was in there for years. He had committed this crime, gets set free, started attending the church. And he was like the, the most faithful in terms of his presence, almost, almost anybody. He was there cleaning. He was there painting or trying to paint. He was there doing all of these things. All the time he was with me, I thought it was going very well. One day we were having a movie night on a Friday night, and one of our members of our church who had been struggling in his life came and he was drunk. And this uh, guy who was doing everything, he was at church serving, he was not drinking, he was not smoking, he was not lying, he was not stealing, he's there in the temple worshiping. Because he thought the temple was the church. Like so many people think that we actually have a basketball hoop in the church. You need better theology if you think that. And so he pulls me into the next room and he says, he's drunk. Yeah, I noticed. And he wasn't like belligerent. He was just, you could tell he had been drinking. He goes, he came drunk to church. Yeah. What's up? He's like, we got to kick him out. I was like, hold on, son of thunder. Just chill out. What do you mean we got to kick him out? He's like, yeah, you don't show up drunk to church. You want me to do it? You want me to do it? I'm like... I told him, I said, I'd rather be drunk with the drunk guy than sitting here with you talking about the drunk guy. Leave him alone. Now, I don't want to get, well, I do want to get drunk, but that's not the point. I, I, the means by which I don't get drunk is abiding in the presence of Christ, not trying not to get drunk every day. And, and so do you, do you get his law keeping produced more lawlessness. He became like a Pharisee. It's Friday night outreach movie night. Of course he can come. We want him to hear the gospel again. So what are we talking about? We want a Jesus revolution, guys. And you're sitting there and just like, he's been serving, he's been obeying, he's been doing this. But does he have the heart of God? He would if he was in the presence of Christ. He didn't even know that guy had his dad die a couple days before that. Not that that's an excuse to, to get drunk, I'm just saying. 
And, and you're sitting there and you're like, well, this is, this, is, this is exactly the Bible. You remember when Jesus was with his disciples taking the weed from the weed fields on the Sabbath and eating it. And they're like, you're breaking the Sabbath. And he says, you have no idea what kind of heart you have. You, you have these rules and these obeyings of the law and, and you have no love. You have no love. If, it, if your ox fell in a ditch, you would get it out on the Sabbath because your ox makes you money. You only love yourself. And he said that also when he healed that person on the Sabbath. You're healing on the Sabbath. The law prohibits any healing on the Sabbath. You sit there like, are you kidding me? This guy's been lame all of his life. He's been paralyzed and Jesus Christ heals him on the Sabbath. And you're talking about the breaking of the law. Your adherence to law is producing more lawlessness. Because you have no love for this man. You have love for yourselves. You have become a God in your own eyes because of your law keeping, which has produced the ultimate breaking of God's law. And that is putting yourself above God himself. It's brilliant. Not me, the text. Brilliant. It's, it's, it, don't, don't misunderstand what he says there. He goes on, now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. When you're out sinning, you, you're free to righteousness. That's a dangerous thing to be free from. It's like saying, I'm free from eating food. You will die. Yeah, I'm free from uh, any temptation. <laughs> you know how many people I've heard say that? No, I could never do that. Really? It's like, hey, um, I, listen, I know you're engaged. Let me give you some advice. No hanky-panky with your fiancé, okay? None. They're like, oh, you know how many guys I've heard say, we can't do that. Really? <laughs> you can't? Or it's like, listen, I, I can share the gospel in the clubs. I'm free. I could never drink. I know I used to be a drunk, but no more. Really? Don't have an overestimation of yourself, the Bible says. When you were a slave to sin, you were free from righteousness. The way that you do that is being away from the proximity of the only righteous person, Christ, who can impute righteousness to you. And so, if you're a slave of righteousness, you're free from sin. What a glorious thing to be free from. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now having been set free from sin, becoming slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ the Lord. Here, here it is. It's in Christ again. It always ends with Christ. Well, how do we achieve this? Well, we can't. But there is somebody who achieved it for us, and he wants to hang out with us, and he wants us to follow him, and he wants us to be with him all the days of our life, and he wants us to draw near to him, and he will draw near to us. That's the key, guys. 
It's not a religion, and I, I know this has become a cliche, especially in the Calvary Chapel movement, but it is so true. It is not a religion. It is a relationship with Christ. It's being in his presence. It's in close proximity each and every day. Lord, I need you each and every hour. It is Christ. He's the answer. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's trying also, and the worship team can come up, it's trying also to get us to understand how to view sin and how to view life or righteousness. Sin brings death, righteousness brings life. Guys, this is a big deal because here's the deal. When I was growing up, I didn't view sin as bringing death. I viewed sin as bringing life and parties and fun and happiness and joy and a good time. So he's trying to get us to see and maybe somebody here and, uh, uh, is dealing with this is you're battling with sin so much, the desire for it, the temptation for it, that desire that's insatiable, you need to have the proper view of sin. It will destroy you. It will... It will destroy your life. It will destroy the people in your life around you when you're in sin. It brings death. And what Christ and, and Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is teaching us this morning is that being in the presence of God, walking through that narrow doorway of grace, gives us life and life more abundantly. What has sin ever given you? What has it ever given you? Hangovers? Children without mothers and fathers? An emptiness even when you achieved that job that gave you the money that you wanted, you still find yourself empty? And we can never find our rest, Augustine said, until we find our rest in Christ. Sin brings death Righteousness brings life, and the way that we walk in righteousness is being in the presence of Christ every single day. Let us pray together. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, that we have access to your presence. Even now you say that you will be with us always, even to the end of the age. We thank you for that. We continue to worship you, being in your presence, even in our giving, and we ask that you would receive it and grant us wisdom in the administration of these gifts. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.